Caduceus. He ran as fast as he could. His heart was racing, his legs were wobbly, and his hand dripped beads of sweat onto the staff which he was clutching onto so tightly. More than once, snakes on the staff had tried to bite him. He knew he should have worn gloves, but Aeschylus didn't have them with him when he stole Caduceus from Hermes. He had it all planned out. He would sneak into one of Hermes's sermons, which he would demonstrate which he would demonstrate his miraculous abilities for his cult. He would take it from his bag when he was kissing babes and women and would be out there without anyone and would be out of there without anyone noticing. But that didn't happen. That plan wasn't going to going to be put in action until a few days' time. But when Hermes travelled to their town to deliver a message to one of the heroes, Aeschylus saw a chance and he took it. And now he was running far away from the town centre to his small house on the outskirts of the market square. He dashed through stalls, knocked apples out of a seller's hand, out of a seller's hands, almost ran into a goat. All the while, he was sure he heard people shouting, "He stole Hermes's staff! He's got Caduceus! Thief!" But there was no one running after him. No one was chasing him. No one was accusing him of thievery, though he daren't slow down. He had been waiting to get his hands on Caduceus for some time, and he was determined to make it home with it, with it and him in one piece. However, now that Aeschylus had it, he realised he wasn't quite sure how to use it. How could he harness the staff's power without knowing its secrets, and how could he keep holding on to it if the sna snakes cold around the golden wings kept hissing at him and biting? He saw his house. He was almost there. Blood was freely dripping from his hand, along with a steady stream of perspiration, but he was almost home. Aeschylus chuckled. He couldn't help it. He had actually pulled it off. He had managed to seal Caduceus from right under Hermes's nose, who had been none the wiser. And that is why he is the messenger of the gods and not the god of wisdom, thought Aeschylus as he let loose another snicker. Suddenly, the sun had gone dark. He fell to the floor. Caduceus hissed heartily at what Aeschylus now realised was a figure blocking the sun and his path. His gloriously pure white wings stretched out far and wide, his silver helmet gleamed in the sun's rays, blinding him, his naked body was a magnificent sight to behold, and his envious fruit hung lowly in front of Aeschylus, who at another time would have reached for it greedily. So you thought you could steal Caduceus without my noticing? said Hermes as his voice boomed across the market, knocking over a table of figs. His bronze sandals hit the floor and cracked the pavement beneath him under the weight of his glory. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, your, your etherealness, said Aeschylus. He was stumbling for an accurate description of the god in front of him and stumbled into his knees to bow before this model of divine beauty. He held out Caduceus before Hermes, who was strangely hesitant to retrieve it. I swear I was going to return it to you. Really, he said humming. He swiped it out of Aeschylus's hands, and the twin snakes hissed harmoniously at their owner. He cooed and stroked their heads lovingly before turning back to Aeschylus. Not much of a thief then, are you? I never stole anything before in my life. Really, he babbled, your, your graciousness. Oh, that's too bad, Hermes smirked. Aeschylus was stunned. What? 
I like a challenge, and someone trying to steal my staff from me would definitely be one, Hermes said, grinning wickedly, his golden eyes full of mischief and chaos. You mean you're not going to smite me? His voice shook and rattled like a beggar's tin outside the temples. Smite you? Boring, he shouted. He circled Aeschylus like a predator toying with its prey. And I tell you what else is boring? Pretending to be a goody-goody for those townsfolk. Really? You mean you're not, what, some all-pure, all-righteous god? Tartarus, no, Hermes said laughing. Ask any of the other Celestials, they'll tell you I'm a bit of a trickster. Probably why they send me to Earth every two minutes. Aeschylus chuckled. So I did, did I steal from the one god who wouldn't obliterate me for stealing from them? Probably. Though Poseidon's good for a laugh, he did think it was funny what Athena did to Medusa, laughed Hermes. So why steal, why steal from me anyway? Aeschylus gritted his teeth. He had yet to speak the truth aloud to anyone, not even the town healers. I heard your staff possesses the power to reawaken those in deep slumber, he said mumbling. My mother has been comatose for many weeks now. Can she not be healed? They would never take her. They say she is a whore and that I am a bastard. They would ne le never let her into their building. And that's why you stole from me, rather than come to one of my sermons, Hermes said sol solemnly. I am also not allowed in there. Your cult will never approve. I'm not worthy. He bowed his head as lowly as he felt. Hermes lifted Aeschylus's chin, and they looked into one another's eyes. Do not let others define your worthiness for you. That is something you define for yourself. Aeschylus was lost for words, his mouth open and closed like a gobsmacked fish. Now, direct me to your house, we shall wake your mother, then perhaps you might tell me your name, said Hermes winking. My name is Aeschylus. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Aeschylus, I am Hermes. The snakes writhing on Caduceus hissed. Hermes turned to them and apologised profusely before turning back to Aeschylus. And this is Paul and Agatha. The end.